Dissonance Media and the Other Stories presents Step into the abyss of After the Gloaming, a gothic fiction podcast that delves into the depths of human emotion. Unyielding love, revenge, internal struggles, and restless souls await you in nine haunting episodes where dread, fear, and rare glimpses of eerie happiness linger. Dare to listen on your favourite podcatcher? After the gloaming beckons, search now, but beware, innocence will be left behind. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. These aren't the stories your mother told you. No, these are the other stories. <laughs> Today's episode of The Other Stories is Eyes Burning Blue, written and narrated by Jasmine Arch. No tasks or commands. Madame Mathilde had opted to ride, so Netta got the carriage to herself. With a smile, she let herself sink into the soft cushions. Having an eccentric mistress might not be so bad after all. She wasn't even shocked when Madame threw back the skirt of her riding habit to adjust the leaping horn so it sat more snugly over her left leg. If there's one thing I hate more than a pluder, it's bloody side saddles. Even with this horn contraption, it's too precarious. She'd done far more scandalous things in the presence of her footman, but Willem usually showed more interest in the dust under the carriage wheels than he did the shapely legs of the Marquise de Beaufort. As day gave way to night, the woods grew quiet. Or they should have. Instead, an eerie howl echoed from a corner of the forest. Madame laughed, (laughs) the low and husky chuckle she never let out near people of rank. Speak of a cluder, and you'll hear it howling. Nitha shivered, pulled her shawl tighter around her slender shoulders, and leaned out of the carriage window. Sounds like a wolf, madame, doesn't it? Belgium hasn't had a wolf sighting for over a decade. Madame grinned at Netta before urging her mare into a trot. She flashed a quick hand signal to Willem, who responded with the clack of the tongue for his horses. Willem's voice sounded muffled from his spot on the box seat. This'll be far more interesting. Hold on, Netta, your ride's about to get bumpy. The carriage jerked forward, passing Madame as she drew a pistol. Her grin turned feral exposing a flash of white teeth. 
leather strained to catch the slightest sound over the horse's hooves and carriage wheels. Within minutes, the howling stilled. The sharp rattle of a chain took its place, followed by a scream that raised goosebumps on Nether's arms. By the time they reached Alst, steam rolled off the horse's flanks and lamplighters patrolled the city. Madame led them down a well-kept lane, but then she turned into narrower and dingier streets. When they pulled up in front of an inn, Netta peered at the yellow lion painted on the sign. Surely Madame wouldn't spend the night in this part of town. The building looked fairly clean, but from the sound of it, people were drinking enough to make them unfit company for a marquise, however unorthodox. As Madame dismounted and removed her riding gloves, the innkeeper scurried outside, wringing his hands. She faced him with the smiling but firm expression Netta only recognized too well. Madame was well aware of what was proper, expected of a marquise. Whether she always followed conventions was another matter. Good evening, the Marquise de Beaufort, with a party of three. I've come at the invitation of Mayor Vandernaut, but it's a bit late to impose on his hospitality before morning. I'm afraid I underestimated the length of our journey and the swiftness of nightfall in the woods. The man tugged his collar. Thank God for your safe arrival, madame. With the darkness comes Cluder. You don't want to run into him. I'd rather avoid it, for now. But since we evaded him, we do require a place to stay. Wide-eyed, the innkeeper stepped back. But your ladyship mustn't... I mean, this is Alst, not Antwerp, but we don't have grand hotels suitable for... Perhaps I could send a boy to the mayor and... Plain meals and lodgings will suffice. Thank you. Madame let the slightest hint of ice slip into her voice. He spluttered a few more protests, but when Madame held out a hand filled with francs, he fell silent and summoned a boy for the luggage. An hour later, the three travellers sat in a quiet corner of the common room. Nether fidgeted under the curious stares of the other patrons until Madame placed a cool hand on Nether's wrist. Don't worry, they're staring at me, not you. Nether shook her head and words doubled out faster than she could stop them. That's precisely what I worry about, Madame. Us sitting at your table like this, it's not proper. If the Marquis hears of it... Oh, you'll have a good laugh about it, I suppose. If he minded my ways, he wouldn't have married me. Willem grunted, took a swig of his beer, and slammed the pint down hard enough to slosh the contents over his fingers. Netta, be quiet and finish your drink. Netta shrank in her seat, but Madame gave her hand a little squeeze as she leaned over the table. Don't be too hard on her, Willem. She's new at this. Remember how clumsy we used to be? Besides, scoldings draw attention too. I just want this lot to forget we're here and get back to their gossip and drinking. As if to lead by example, she sat back and sipped her wine. Well, that. And I'm starving. Netta had never seen Madame like this. She drank and laughed without reserve at Willem's banter. Instead of picking out her food and savouring dainty bites as usual, she began with a heaping bowl of stew, scraped it clean with a crust of bread, and requested seconds. The innkeeper's wife blushed at the implied compliment and brought out a portion to rival the first. Madame dug in with unladylike enthusiasm. Around them, 
everyone returned to their own business as the mysterious lady in their midst did nothing more interesting than eat. The talk around one of the tables grew louder and more boisterous as the beer flowed and the evening progressed. A young man, so wealthy he needed no manners, judging by the cut and finish of his clothing, bought round after round for his friends. Their boasting and laughter drowned out any other conversation. Madame glared at him between spoonfuls of stew. Her nostrils flared every time the innkeeper bowed and simpered at Monsieur Philippe. Willem tapped the table next to her hand and shook his head. Patience. When the young man slapped the backside of a serving girl, hard enough to make the poor thing wince, Madame balled her hands under the table. Damn it, Willem, why must you be reasonable? It would be so satisfying to take him down a peg or two. Or twenty, Willem hissed. It's the time nor the place to educate the boy, not when it's his father paying our fees. Besides, we're here to catch this cluder, aren't we? Mayor van der Nort didn't offer a bonus for barmaids in distress. Madame breathed deeply and smiled. It's a hoax. But Madame, Nita blurted, we all heard it, the howling, the screams. Madame closed her eyes and drew another breath. Burnt copper. That'll do the trick, you know. Copper shavings produce a blue flame. Add a rattling chain. A terrified farmer doesn't need much more. The tips of two pointy canines barely visible under her full upper lip. Madame gulped down the remainder of her wine and rose. She tossed a handful of coins on their table. Netta, be a dear and fetch my walking boots, please. Walking boots, madame? Why would she venture out at this hour? Madame cocked an eyebrow and winked at Nitta. Why, yes, some fresh air will do me good, I think. I fancy a stroll down that pretty lane just outside the city. But you can, madame. The streets are quite muddy and... Don't worry, little one. The young man, who hadn't found any more manners at the bottom of his pint, sauntered in their direction. A bit of mud will be the least of the Marquise's worries if Cluder gets his claws in her. If you see little blue lights, madame, I'd run if I were you. It's the eyes, you know. Perhaps it's your Cluder who should worry. Madame's smile grew so wide her canines were clearly visible now. My father seems to think so, but I've seen no proof of any captives, other than the Marquis. Monsieur Philippe smirked, eyeing her up and down. This is a different quarry, and quite immune to pretty blue eyes. No one's been able to stop it. Madame Mathilde rose to her full height, shoulders squared, and looked the young man in the eyes until he averted his gaze. Not yet, anyway. Don't come crying when he catches you, madame. Monsieur Philippe's lip curled in distaste around the last word. Nether glared at the exchange simultaneously wishing she were brave enough to tell this scoundrel where to go and that she could hide behind Willem. Philippe van der Noort grumbled as he mounted his horse, his mind filled to the brim with that woman, that, that upstart who charmed herself into a marriage far above her station. Addressing him as an equal, looking down her nose at him with those uncanny pale eyes, making a bloody fool of him in front of his friends. 
tonight might be too obvious, but he'd teach her a lesson. And soon. He patted his coat pocket, heavy with the comforting weight of the chain, imagined wrapping it around her wrists, her neck. His horse pranced a few steps to one side as he entered the park surrounding his father's estate outside the city, a different world altogether from the filth of Alst. A low howl rose from behind. The stallion screamed and shot forward. Philippe jerked the reins and dug his heels in, but there was no controlling the stupid animal. With each frantic stride, the weight of the chain pulled him more and more off balance until he hit the ground with a dull thud that slammed his teeth together. His elbow struck something hard, sending a jolt down his arm. As he scrabbled to his feet, twin blue lights danced toward him through the dark. The curses dried up in his throat. He turned and ran. Branches whipped his face, the heavy chain rattled in his pocket, punctuated by the thump of massive paws behind him, the panted breath of... He couldn't bring himself to finish the thought. Up ahead, an ornate bridge cowered beneath looming trees, the ditch at the back of the property. Beyond it, he'd find a road, farmhouses, safety. His legs burned, but he was so close, if only he could keep moving. Finally, his boots struck wooden planks instead of crunching gravel. He stumbled and grabbed the railing, breath coming in ragged gasps. Philippe glanced over his shoulder. On the road, close enough to plant a paw on the bridge, sat a black dog. Philippe had seen smaller ponies, but size didn't equal danger. This one had lopsided ears, one peaked, one flopping haphazardly to the side. The dog's lolling tongue was not much smaller than Philippe's hand, but it let out a playful bark, and its tail thumped the ground. This ugly beast had scared Philippe's horse, made him fall, made him think for just a second it was a cluder. He despised feeling like a fool, and this was the second time that night. He pulled out his chain, wrapped it around one fist, and took a step in the dog's direction. Rather than running, like any creature with an inkling of sense, it rose and padded onto the bridge. As the dog moved, its chest looked massive. Philippe faltered mid-stride. By the time he recovered his wits, the animal had closed the distance and sat back on its haunches. Its warm breath fanned Philippe's free hand, a sharp contrast to the cold chain in the other. He stared, unable to move. He tried, now strained, to lift his foot, strike out at the mutt. His limbs refused to obey. Suddenly the dog sprang up. Heartbeats stretched out in time, but the air congealed around Philippe, leaving no chance to respond. Before the dog's paws touched his shoulders, a ripple ran across its glossy coat, it changed, paws elongating into smooth arms and legs. As the creature rose to its full height, it took the shape of a broad-shouldered woman. Barely recognizable without the curled and braided hair and the simple but well-made gown she'd worn earlier. But the pale blue eyes of the Marquise de Beaufort were impossible to forget. She grinned up at him showing just enough of her white teeth to display what Philippe could only describe as fangs. So, young master of undernauts, thought you could play the glitter, did you? <laughs> he shook his head, 
A shiver trickled down his back. His hand trembled, rattling the chain. I can't... What have you done to me, you witch? I can't move! Quite clever, burning copper to simulate the eyes. I smelled it on you the moment I walked into the Golden Lion. It's a shame, really. If you were real, at least I'd have had a challenge for once. I don't know what you're talking about. She circled him, movement sinuous and soft. When she stopped behind him, hands on his shoulders, she whispered in his ear, Run, little imposter. Run as if it's the devil itself clinging to your hide. Bloody well might be. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Other Stories. Eyes Burning Blue was written and narrated by Jasmine Arch, produced by James Barnett, a.k.a. Jimmy Horace, with music by Dark Fantasy Studio and Chris Briskey and Kai Engel and Tom Robson, and sound effects provided by freesound.org. The episode illustration was provided by Luke Spooner of Carry On House. A quick thanks to our community managers, Joshua Boucher and Jasmine Arch, and to Joshua Boucher and Carolyn O'Brien for helping with our submission reading. And of course to Ben Errington, the Jersey Devil of social media hopscotch. Does the Jersey Devil play hopscotch? The onus is on you to prove to me that he doesn't. Jasmine Arch is a writer, poet, narrator, podcaster and all-round chaos of brains. She lives in a nook of Belgian countryside with two horses, four dogs and a husband who knows better than to distract her when she's writing. Her work has appeared or is forthcoming in The Other Stories, that's this podcast, newmyths.com and hybrid fiction among others you can find out more about her and her work at jasminearch.com James Barnett aka Jimmy Horace himself is the producer of the Night's End podcast and After the Gloaming search for him wherever you get your podcasts you can also catch other works of his at jamesbarnettscreative.com The Other Stories is a production of the story studio Hawk and Cleaver and it's brought to you with a Creative Commons attribution non-commercial no derivatives license that means don't change it don't sell it but by all means, share the hell out of it. So, until next time. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach! Give me great food. Tacos! Give me adventure. Hiking! Give me a date night. Sunset cruise! Give me some smiles. Cheese! Give me more beaches. Beaches! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san sandiego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style.